1: That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again.
0: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on KSLPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It's finally time to sing. This is raising voices and renewing friendships. The Tabernacle Choir returns. It's your backstage pass to the most anticipated return of the year. Here's Doug Wright on KSL News Radio, one hundred two point seven FM and eleven sixty AM.
3: Welcome to raising voices and renewing friendships. The Tabernacle Choir returns. I'm Doug Wright. As the Tabernacle Choir returns to its first live performance in more than a year and a half during this general conference, it's a privilege to share with you the voices of the choir. Some of these voices are new, and some have been with the choir for decades, but all are united in the love they have for the choir and its mission to help people feel closer to the divine and celebrate God's love for all of His children. Sheila Sconyers is a soprano who has been with the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square since 2010. In addition to her volunteer service with the choir, she's a training and development specialist at the University of Utah. I asked her how she and other choir members have stayed connected and stayed in tune while spending more than a year and a half apart.
0: Yeah, well, I think um, lots of people um, would watch music and the spoken word every week to just get connected um, or stay connected and and remember those faces. Uh, Prior to our our extended absence, uh, Mac Wilberg really wanted us to learn uh, to memorize the lyrics of the of our musical pieces so that we could just be uh, present better on camera, and I think. memorizing the lyrics, you know, I'll find myself doing something and, and just singing a little bit of that song or I'll find myself in the car singing a song that I hadn't, you know, that that is associated with the choir. And so, um, you know, under Mac's leadership, um, Being able to really memorize those songs, really, you know, they're in your brain. Once they're in your brain, they come up and and just, you know, random times during the day and you just, you know, you have a good feeling. Oh, that's a choir song. And it'll be so great when we're together and we're singing those songs together with all of our parts. Right. And and also I think the choir um, leadership. Um, Mac Wilberg and former President Jarrett um, and his leadership and, and now President Lovett, they did a really good job of making sure that we got our weekly announcements every week, even though, you know, the announcements were we're still not back. But please stay safe and do what you can. It just helped us um stay connected to one another. And also it gave us every week information about new places where music in the spoken word was broadcast. And so uh, that, it was just one more place where people could hear our songs and, and be touched by, by the lyrics and, and the orchestration. And so they did a really good job in helping us stay connected to each other.
3: As you've heard about the opportunities now to be together, to perform as a choir, how has that made you and others within the choir feel? And how much anticipation are you feeling at this point?
0: Oh, it's like Christmas. It is. It's like the day before Christmas. Um, you're just so excited and, and you can't wait and, and you're getting your music together and you're getting your choir back together. And just, you know, it's it's that anticipation. And at this time, I've I've come to, I'm in the, the Saturday choir for general conference. And so um, I've already had my first rehearsal. And um, at first I thought, what is it going to be like? Are people going to be so emotional that they can't yeah. um, that we can't sing? We're going to have to have a moment to process. But really, it just felt really natural going back and sitting in your seat and um, being under uh, Mac and Ryan's um, baton and and it just felt really really natural, right? Like this is where I'm supposed to be, and and so it was just, you know, it just fit, it just fit, and, and I think everybody felt that that, you know, we're back, we're back, you yeah. know, like we hadn't been gone. It felt like we were just right into, we were just really it was really easy for us to get in that groove. And it it didn't feel like, as far as vocalization, like there had been so much time that had passed.
3: Yeah. Sheila, we could talk for hours. I so appreciate you joining us on this conference special today. But one final quick question. You know, we all have favorites in what we do, either in our careers or our hobbies or our outside interests. And for you, I think of the concerts, the Pioneer concert, I think of the Uh, Christmas concert, the tourings, the recordings, and everything else. What have you missed absolutely the most?
0: Well, you know, when we do a recording, I think, you know, we're together for, um, we're together for like five or six nights in a row for really long hours, and and we're really working hard to produce something, and um, uh, participating in a recording in the Tabernacle is really special, and, and how they um, create a um, how they turn the tabernacle into recording studios. We all bring our quilts and we stick them on on the seats and and it's fun to see everybody's quilts and it's just and we have a cookie night right to kind of yeah. help us get through it. And so I miss those times where we're really just pushing hard to get something done right and um, and we're all doing it together and and we're all a little tired but you know we're all in it for for the I think we all feel this calling this it's a great calling you know we're touching people's hearts through the music and and through the orchestration with the orchestra so those events where we're really just knuckling down to get something done and get it perfect those are events that i missed and i'm really looking forward to i never thought i'd say i'm really looking forward to spending a really long night at the tabernacle recording something but really those are the times when that were the most meaningful for me
3: you're listening to Raising Voices and Renewing Friendships, The Tabernacle Choir Returns. Next, we'll be joined by Mac Wilberg, Music
2: Director for the Choir. Did you know the Tabernacle Choir is live every week right here? Listen each Sunday morning at 9.30 at 102.7 FM in your car or ask Alexa. Alexa. Play KSL News Radio. Welcome back
3: to Raising Voices and Renewing Friendships. The Tabernacle Choir returns. I'm Doug Wright. Preparing for the first live performance in more than 550 days, music director Mac Wilberg has been working not only to get ready for general conference, but with the hope that more opportunities for the choir to perform live will grow out of this. I asked him if he could have imagined the challenges the COVID pandemic would create for the choir's ability to share its music.
1: Well, certainly not. I I don't think any of us could have imagined what this pandemic has done to every facet of our lives. I think that in this day and age of modern technology and certainly medical advances, we never thought that this could happen again, and yet here we are. For the Tabernacle Choir, we're Obviously, eighteen months uh, without having been able to meet.
3: It is such a comforting thing to know that we at least have the recordings. We have been able to enjoy the choir weekly, although not live. We have been able to enjoy the choir in the conference sessions in the last you know year and a half. But there is nothing quite like a live performance. How difficult has that been for you and for the choir members to? not be able to get together to perform and entertain us, inspire us, give us hope live?
1: Well, I think everybody would agree that the the most difficult part has been not being able to gather together and uh, make live music. And certainly we've been doing this from week to week for many, many decades now. And uh, it has been very difficult to... uh, not only be able to see each other and socialize with each other, but particularly to make music.
3: How do you keep things in tune, motivation and so on, with this huge choir and all of the people that make it happen? For every choir member, there are others that are, you know, making sure that this environment exists for the Tabernacle Choir. How do you keep in touch, and how do you keep the choir literally and figuratively in tune?
1: Well, that's a very good question, and I'm not sure if I have a very good answer at this point. Obviously, if you're not meeting together, you can't uh, work on the finer points of uh, making music. But we have continued to stay in touch, and we're certainly looking forward to this weekend of General Conference when we will be able to get together for the first time. 18 months, although it will just be half of the choir for Saturday morning session, and then the other half of the choir for Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. But nonetheless, we've actually had a couple of rehearsals and have been actually thrilled being able to be together.
3: How emotional was that to have the choir actually in the loft once again and be able to join those magnificent voices and create the music for which you were so famous?
1: Well, I think it was very emotional. And in fact, I I started to make a couple of opening comments and I finally had to say, you know, I'm going to get emotional here if I say too much. So let's move on. And uh, I think everybody else felt the the same way. And because we hadn't been together for 18 months, I think there was a, a special feeling, a special spirit in those rehearsals. We met on Tuesday night with the first choir, or the choir they'll be singing on Saturday morning. And then on Thursday evening, we met with the second choir, who will be singing on Sunday. And I think the feeling in the room of both of those rehearsals was something special.
3: What was the first thing that you actually sang together?
1: Well, like we always do, we, we did some warming up. And uh, we have to be a little careful with our warmups now that we don't we're not doing warmups that uh, expel a lot of air and a lot of uh, saliva. So we did a bit of humming and uh, a few other things that hopefully I was a little bit concerned uh, because none of us have really been performing or actively performing for the last 18 months, so I was a little concerned what we might discover together. but it, it went very well. and it's like an old friend. You may not have seen a friend for many, many months, but as soon as you meet them, you're just back right where you left off. And I felt the very same way in these rehearsals.
3: That is something I had not even considered, Mac, that to sing something very robust and very, you know, emoting uh, in this pandemic era uh, would tend to expel more air and particles and so on that had not even occurred to me. For you personally, Mac, uh, I think of the schedule you keep. I think of the tours. I think of the weekly broadcast. I think of preparing for conference. I think of the concerts, the Christmas concerts, and the Pioneer Days concerts, and so many other things that you and the entire choir are involved in. To have this rather unique opportunity Of And I won't say things were mothballed because everybody has continued on to one degree or another. But for you personally, you're so renowned for your composing and for your arranging. Has this given you particular opportunities that maybe you haven't had over the last decade or so?
1: Yes, I I think definitely it has given me some opportunities that uh, I would not have otherwise had. I've done a lot of writing. And some of it, I felt like that things that we've needed for a while, but simply didn't have the time and some other things that I've wanted to do for some time, but again, didn't have the time. So it's been a combination of things that we needed. And then a couple of things that I have wanted to do also for the choir and the orchestra, but just projects and compositions that uh, I'm hoping we will soon be able to share with everyone.
3: It is my habit, my MO, as it were to every time I have the chance to chat with you or Ron Gunnell, that I always try to wheedle a little information out of you regarding Christmas and your various tours and events. I won't put the real screws on you right now for that. I know so many things are up in the air, but what are you anticipating? And what are maybe some of the hopes for Christmas concerts, the tours, and the events that we have come to love so much?
1: well as with everything it's somewhat from week to week and month to month but we are at this point at least hopeful of being able to do something for christmas i'm not sure what form that will take but with singing at general conference this weekend we're we're hoping that by doing that and uh, we we're, we're taking every safety precaution that we certainly can take in order to ensure that everyone is safe and and uh, Based on our experiences the past two weeks now, I think that we're feeling quite uh, confident that we might be able to move ahead in the future. So, as with everything else at this point, we're hopeful.
3: You're listening to Raising Voices and Renewing Friendships. The Tabernacle Choir returns. Next, we're joined by Ron Gunnell, Assistant to the President and Executive Producer for Global Talent.
2: Did you know the Tabernacle Choir is live every week right here? Listen each Sunday morning at 9:30 at 102.7 FM in your car or ask Alexa, "Play KSL News Radio."
3: Welcome back to raising voices and renewing friendships. The Tabernacle Choir returns. I'm Doug Wright. The choir is celebrated around the world for its incredible performances, and many of the most memorable include guest appearances from notable figures from home and abroad. Ron Gunnell, as the executive producer for Global Talent, has been responsible for bringing the likes of Walter Cronkite, Angela Lansbury, Audra McDonald, Kristen Chenoweth, and so many more to perform with the choir, Ron started as a choir member, and I asked him if it was daunting to bring world-renowned talent to perform with our choir.
4: Well, it was daunting for me, you know, back in 2000. I'd been in the choir four years, and, uh, you know, President Hinckley had a great vision for this conference center. But he was concerned that uh, with 21,000 seats, how would we fill those seats, you know, coming from the tabernacle? But he said, you know, I envisioned the world's greatest artists coming here to Salt Lake City and performing in this building. And uh, that's when I was called and set apart uh, to take on that assignment and responsibility of bringing artists uh, to the choir and the orchestra and the conference center. So our very first guests, of course, we had Gladys Knight and, and Roma Downey. And uh, of course we filled that conference center every night. And it was the beginning of a pattern of 20 years of, of really great, great artists coming to perform.
3: Not only the great singing artists, but as a broadcaster, I have really been wowed by the incredible voice talent, narrative talent that you've brought. Walter Cronkite, I mean, the list goes on. Bro, it, it has been remarkable to me.
4: Well, I had to pinch myself sitting in Walter Cronkite's corner office in 2002 and looking at his 60 years of journalism and pictures and portraits there in that office. And of course, he wasn't there. I was talking to his chief of staff, Marlene Adler. But it was quite intimidating for me, you know, just kind of in this role, 12 months or so. And of course, with Walter Cronkite, um, that wasn't an easy sell. I really you know, pitched uh, the invitation to Marlene and she, uh, you know, said that you know, she had some certain requirements for Mr. Cronkite to get on stage anywhere. And, and that didn't quite align with what I was expecting. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I had a thought come to me in that office, and this is so typical of what I've experienced over the last 20 years, promptings that have come to me that I've listened to. And this one with Walter Cronkite was invite him to conduct the choir the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. Now, that came to my mind in his office. And, of course, I didn't talk to Craig Jessup. I hadn't talked to Matt Christensen, the president. But there (laughs) I was, and the prompting came, and I followed it. And I said, listen, what if Mr. Cronkite came and was invited to conduct this world-famous choir and orchestra, Handel's Hallelujah Chorus, with a full orchestra, 365 singers, and 21,000 people? And she said, you mean actually conduct the choir? And I said, yes. And so she got him on the phone right there and then. He was in Massachusetts. And she extended that invitation over the phone while I sat there. And <laughs> he accepted that invitation. And, of course, I hadn't gotten approval from Craig Jessup or, or the choir leadership. And so I was a little nervous. But, but that's what brought him to Salt Lake City was that invitation to conduct the choir.
3: That is a remarkable story. But as we anticipate the coming back, the getting back into the saddle, as it were, what are you most looking forward to with this magnificent
4: body of talent? Well, I think the world needs music. I think the world, suffering through these last two years of isolation and separation, uh, that music and, and the choral history and traditions of the choir can bring light and love and feelings of unity uh, back to the world. And so I think it's very important that the choir get back together, that they start singing again, the orchestra with them, and uh, giving us a chance through music and the spoken word. Of course, we've been playing uh, uh, broadcasts that have been previously recorded, but how nice it will be to, to send out new music and new words of hope and love Around the world, and so I'm I'm very looking forward to that getting the this mission of the choir out again to the world.
3: Thankfully, thank heaven, literally, that we've we've had the recordings so and we have that artistry that is preserved. But. As I was chatting with Mac Wilberg, there's just nothing like a live performance, whether it's in a a church environment, whether it's in a Christmas concert, whatever it might be, there is a vibrancy and, and something just so deep and
4: spiritual that comes when we hear our Tabernacle Choir live. Well, it's, it's a global language, isn't it? I mean, music brings that uh, global language to everyone. It doesn't matter what faith. It doesn't matter what you believe. It provides unity and, and hope, and the choir is known for that. And to go to a live concert, you know, we're looking forward, hopefully, next year of going on a tour. To be in a live concert, uh, like you said, there's just nothing like it. The, the, the feeling of the sound and the magnitude and the quality of the sound penetrates the heart and the soul and the mind. I mean, it's amazing. It is so
3: exciting for us to at least see these glimmers, you know, the appearing at the general conference and talk of rehearsals and, you know, things that are going on now. And we can only uh, keep our fingers crossed and offer up prayers for what right. may come in the future. Ron, thank you so much. First of all, for all you do uh, behind the scenes and so few people really know what it takes to bring this incredible choir to the public, but also some of the exceptional talent that you bring to complement our choir. But I thank you also for joining us
4: on the program today. I thank you for your friendship, and I wish you the very, very best. Well, thank you, Doug. And if I might just briefly mention, as I've worked and have been doing this for 20 years, I have always felt the power of the choir, the orchestra, The crews, everyone associated with this organization behind me, every artist, every agent, every manager I've met with, I have felt the power of this organization behind me. And it's been such an honor for me to serve and and continue to serve.
3: You're listening to Raising Voices and Renewing Friendships. The Tabernacle Choir returns. Next, we'll hear from the choir's newly called president, former Utah
2: Governor Michael O'Levitt. Did you know the Tabernacle Choir is live every week right here? Listen each Sunday morning at 9:30 at 102.7 FM in your car or ask Alexa, "Play KSL News Radio."
3: Welcome back to raising voices and renewing friendships. The Tabernacle Choir returns. I'm Doug Wright. Michael Levitt has filled many roles with far-reaching impact, from governor of the state of Utah to the Secretary of Health and Human Services under President George W. Bush. But his latest role as the president of the Tabernacle Choir will have a reach beyond any prior position he has held. I asked him if he was surprised when President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints called him and invited him to be president of the choir. I was a lot surprised. You know, there's
5: a call like at, uh, the telephone call uh, inviting me to come and have a conversation with him. Obviously, puts you into a mode of making lists of things that you've done and should have done, and uh, that or things that, that you might be called on to do. And I have to admit that this was not on my list, but it was a delightful experience uh, to have both the conversation
3: and the invitation. I've been very fortunate to know. Uh, several of the past presidents of the Tabernacle Choir and conductors and so on over the years. But this is a little different setup because your wife, Jacqueline, is included in this calling, and then you have counselors. Talk to us about the new organization of the choir presidency.
5: I think this is part of a desire to see the choir go to even greater heights than it has over the last 174 years. The organization of the choir leadership as a presidency is new. In the past, it's been a singular person. I'm delighted by the fact that uh, my wife, Jackie, was also called to be my companion in service. Now, she's been my partner in almost everything I've done, so that's not new, but uh, having it formalized this way is something I think we're both pleased about.
3: You mentioned uh, President Nelson having some specific instructions as to where the the church, the Lord, would like the uh, the choir to go. What has he charged you with? What are some of the goals?
5: First, uh, to assure that the choir is aligned with the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and that it plays its role as a, a ambassador, as an emissary of Jesus Christ. Those are both important missions. I think we all aspire to take this quite remarkable musical organization and have it exposed to even larger, more global audiences.
3: I've heard the term global kicked around a little bit as we have talked with uh, others preparing this program. And I think of uh, what a challenge that is to basically elevate this choir even more from its already lofty heights. We were talking prior to going on the air that probably... Along with the uh, Vienna Boys Choir, this is, the Tabernacle Choir on Temple Square, is the best-known choir in the world. It is well-known and
5: highly respected. But the world is a big place. And uh, that doesn't mean there's not lots of room for expansion and change. Uh, The world has changed. We have opportunities to build an even bigger digital audience using the technologies of the day to literally go to all corners of the earth.
3: I think of the touring that the choir has done. I think of its traditional, even back when I was a little kid, it was pretty much the Tabernacle Choir and of course the organ on Temple Square. And now we have an orchestra, we have the bells, we have many other things. Uh, The ability to be on PBS, for example. Are there any specific goals that you and President Nelson and now you and your counselors have discussed? You mentioned the digital world taking the choir into every corner of the earth. But where do you start?
5: Well, we start by recognizing that this is a complex organization, and it has not performed uh, for 500 and almost 60 days. The pandemic uh, has created the most significant interruption in the choir's work uh, in 174 years. So our first job, obviously, is to work through that process and to assure that we can keep the choir safe and the audiences safe. The second short-term job is for my counselors and I uh, to learn to understand the complexity of this organization and to just become acquainted with the people and to earn their confidence. The third major job, then, is to begin to think about the future and to create a strategic plan that will take us out at least five years and ask the questions, what can the choir become? How do we assure that we are aligned with the intention of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and how can we bring sacred music to more people? The world needs what the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, the orchestra, and the bells provide. And It's a sense of peace. It's a sense of uh, healing. All of those things come with the major product of the Tabernacle Choir, which is
3: great music. President Levin, my whole life, I've been in the shadow of the choir. One of my earliest memories, meeting my grandfather downtown and having lunch at what then was the graviteria in the old Constitution Building and then walking across the street, South Temple, and enjoying the, the concert, the organ concert. I think of the Christmas events, the Pioneer Day events, The special events of even National Sorrow on 9-11, where the Tabernacle Choir played such an important role. Boy, I miss them live.
5: We all do. I think particularly people who have lived nearby the Tabernacle have had experiences like you described. I don't remember a time in my life when the Tabernacle Choir was not part of Sunday at my home as a child. The music in the spoken word, of course, has become a standard in millions of homes uh, who are Latter-day Saint and those who are not. But there's a great opportunity for us to take that blessing, if you will, and spread it around the world. Yes, the choir will continue to tour, but using the tools of digitization and of technology, the choir can reach greater, bigger and more diverse audiences all over the world. And that's our challenge.
3: I think of the people in the choir. Everybody who is in the choir is on a bit of a, a timer. You, you eventually time out. And I wonder how that's affected the brand new members of the choir that came on board just prior to the shutting down of so many things during the pandemic, and then those who may have actually even timed out while the pandemic was going on. That must be a traumatic thing for some of those folks. I've
5: spoken with new members of the choir who have waited some months to actually sit in the loft and to feel the resonance that comes when you are surrounded by hundreds of committed voices, and it has been an emotional experience for them. I'm also conscious of the fact that many members of the choir, whose time will come to conclude their service, are feeling it slip away and are anxious to have those final opportunities to provide worshipful music to others and to feel the spirit that it creates in them. We're working to make certain that they do get those last opportunities. We've now rehearsed three times. It's fun and uh, I might say uh, humbling and exciting to see the members of the choir come back together and to both renew their friendships but also to raise their voices and it didn't take long. The music was remarkable from the first rehearsal forward, and uh, they will be ready to sing at general conference. The choir will be smaller initially, but we're working up to full strength, and if everything goes well, we hope to see the performances of the choir return to a more normalized schedule.
3: Thank you for joining us for Raising Voices and Renewing Friendships. The Tabernacle Choir Returns. And a special thanks to our guests and Tabernacle Choir administration. The choir will be heard during select sessions of general conference, which of course can be heard here on KSL News Radio. For KSL, I'm Doug Wright.